It's my great pleasure to have on the line with me Dujon Pereira. He's a filmmaker, a producer of Black Hole. It's a feature-length documentary film about the Whitehaven Coles Moles Creek Mine, featuring people like Jonathan Moylan and other activists. We've had a number of these people on the show, so some of our listeners will be familiar with this story. Thanks very much for, for joining us, Dijon. Thanks for having me. So I guess uh, to start off with, uh, tell us about how you, you got engaged with this, this project. Well, uh, basically a, um, a friend, uh, a housemate, um, moved into where I was living and um, that March last year and had been up at the lead blockade and had seen some of the work that I've done and uh, was just had mentioned it to me. I never knew anything about the lead, um, lead state forest or what was happening up there and he um, encouraged me to go up and have a look, and I went up there to make a short, um, a short documentary. And the next thing I knew, I was making a feature length. <laughs> it's being uh, very well received. I haven't uh, got round to seeing it yet, and we'll have some details a little bit later for our listeners so that they can catch a viewing that's coming up uh, soon in Fremantle. But uh, yeah, being lauded as as one of the most significant environmental films in 34 years. Now, I understand you really uh, a focus for you in, in making the film was to uh, t- to make it more humanistic. Uh, you know, obviously to to really tell the story of these these people that are participating in this uh, you know incredible act of defiance. What's one of those characters that uh, that sticks out? One of those particular stories that sticks out in your mind? Look, I think that um, yeah, as you're very right in um, the idea that I had when. I went into making this film was, um, look, I think that uh, the Morse Creek mine and the lead blockade was just a really, really interesting scenario because it brought together so many different alliances, which sort of of unheard of um, in this country between farmers and indigenous um, Gomeroy and also um, just everyday people that were wanting to sort of stand up and um, take action. And I think that look, there was a number of significant um, human stories uh, involved in the scenario, and that's why I worked really hard to be able to tell all those stories across the board. Um, but, yeah, look, I think that it was... Um, it's, it's really hard to pick. I think that um, the Indigenous scenario was really... Um, really interesting in it because within the, uh, for your listeners, um, the Ledge State Forest is the last of um, intact species of white box, white box woodland in the country. And within that forest, um, it's about uh, 5,000 hectares of white box woodland and um, there's a number of uh, indigenous sites, sacred sites in there. Yep. So it was particularly heartbreaking to see um, uh, the Gomeroy fighting to save that, but also, unfortunately, the split within the community um, of uh, how uh, mining companies uh, divide and conquer within that scenario. Talk to us a bit about the the mining companies. I understand that you, you know, obviously trying to do a, a balanced job as a, as a filmmaker. You did try to get the other side of the fence and and some of their perspective. What, what was uh, what was going on there, and I guess what was your success there? Well, yeah. Look, um, I tried. You know, it wasn't tokenistic. I tried really hard to get um, 
Whitehaven Coles uh, perspective on it and I approached them uh, a number of times. Um, they were concerned as as anyone would understand that they would be taken out of context or um, and I tried to alleviate that as much as possible. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that scenario, but they just weren't willing to talk, you know, like Whitehaven, um, Whitehaven Coal and the Moors Creek mine is um, uh, at the time the most controversial and still the most controversial coal mine in production, um, taking away from Chenoir and Adani. Um, and yeah, I think that they just felt that they just, you know, they just didn't want to say that, um, tell the story, their side of the story. You know, I was approaching from that point that they were. Um, saying that environmental groups were skewing the facts, and I, I really wanted to understand um, h- how they were skewing the facts, or how they were perceived to be skewing the facts. And um, yeah, it was uh, they just you know weren't willing to talk, and you know I went to great lengths also to um, speak to the local community that were um, for the mine and also for workers mm. um, that were working within the mine because um, I thought that was important and I took out an ad in the local paper and um, got a few responses and a few phone calls but uh, no one was willing to come on camera and partly that was because they were told they weren't allowed to yep. so um, yeah look it was it was unfortunate but all I could do within that was to be able to um, you know, tell the story as what I saw it. And, you know, I worked very hard to make sure that it was, um, even though, um, as it turns out, it was um, one side of the story, um, that it was all factually based. There's no lack of opportunity, really, for big companies uh, such as uh, Whitehaven to to get their story out. So uh, whilst I admire you for attempting to do so, uh, there's plenty of opportunities uh, uh, in the corporate-dominated press, so as a as an independent uh, filmmaker, you know wh- where do you sit? I guess in terms of your philosophy uh, with filmmaking and with alternative media, an important important hole you're filling in uh, putting together a, a documentary like this. Oh, look, I, I think no doubt, and that's where you know when I went up there and initially was going to make a short documentary, and the more I sort of looked around. Um, I saw and realised that a feature documentary needed to be made and somebody needed to make that. And I kind of went, well, I was that somebody. Um, I felt that I had the ability um, to be able to do that. And and also that the mindset to um, to take that risk in doing it. It's a big risk, um, you know, financially and emotionally to, to engage in such a project. And... Um, and I think that it is really important. I think that um, the, what you've said about mainstream media, everything is in sound bites these days. And um, I realised that it was a very significant um, issue in this country and it was, it was a piece of Australian history in the likes of um, Jabaluka and Franklin River. And, you know, Franklin River never sort of got anything made. Um, Jabaluka did to a certain point. But, um, you know, I think that for a historical um, uh, film or to, to capture it, that 
in the future that we can look back back on of um, that it just doesn't become a mythical um, story. Kudos to you. I understand there was you know over seven hundred hours of footage uh, there. You've uh, over fifty interviews. You know you've done it all yourself, uh, and you've you've crowdfunded it. Obviously, in some ways is. Uh, uh, a reflection of uh, of the lead campaign itself, in that it's uh, it's very much come from the grassroots and coming together of uh, lots of energy as independent broadcasters uh, support you and encourage our listeners to get along to the viewing in Fremantle. No worries. So um, yeah, just just with that. Um, so I think that the way that we're screening it is through um, a new initiative called Tug, and there are other platforms um, that we have to meet a minimum threshold. Yep. Um, in order for the screening to go ahead. And we have about seven days left to meet that threshold to guarantee that screening. We still have 60 tickets to sell, so I'd really encourage um, your listeners to spread the word and to sort of go online. Um, there's a number of ways, but probably the easiest for um, on the radio would just to be going to blackholemovie.com.au and find the link to the screening. And uh, the more that we can... Uh, reach that threshold, we can guarantee those um, ticket sales and the screening to happen. So, 